Hey everybody, it's Pastor Chad. Welcome to The Way Radio Live, The Way R122 Ministry Live. Today is Sunday, October 24th, 2021. Glad to have this opportunity to preach again and to uh, be able to reach uh, so many from different places in the world through this blessing that we have of technology. Today's message is entitled, So That We May Know God. And this is one of those messages that blessed me very much as I was writing it. I actually first preached on this, um, I think, five or six years ago. And I came across these notes and decided to rewrite this sermon because it was a blessing then. And I pray it will be a blessing to everyone who hears it now. So the title of the sermon for today is So That We May Know God. And let's pray and we will begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we once again have this blessing and this opportunity uh, to gather, uh, to gather here online, to be able to gather at a distance. And Lord, I just ask that you would uh, bless this message, that you would do a mighty work through it, that you would uh, touch every heart and every mind and every spirit that hears it, and that you would work powerfully through it. And Lord, uh, it is such a blessing to be able to learn of you through your word. And Lord, just bless us with peace and calm. Help us to take some time out of the world today. And may your Holy Spirit just guide us into your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the title of the sermon today is So That We May Know God. And it begins with some very big questions. And it seems like there are certain questions uh, that people have asked down through the ages, and there's questions that that Christians ask uh, that are quite common, and I hope this will help to answer some of those questions, because I really believe that uh, this is a, a message that will hopefully help clarify some of those big questions that we may struggle with for years. So these questions are, why is God's plan the way it is? Why did God do things the way he's done them and continues to do them? Why is there evil in the world? Why the fall of man? Why did man have to fall into sin in Eden? And why did Christ have to suffer and die in order to redeem mankind? So I want to begin by reading Psalm 63, 1 through 8. And again, if you have your Bibles, please turn to the scriptures. Um, I haven't put them up the last couple of weeks because I've just felt like I'd like to get more into focusing on the message instead of having to pay attention to the computer and and going from verse to verse. So um, I'd pray that you have your Bibles and maybe jot down the verses that I refer to so you can look at them later. So we're looking at Psalm 63, 1 through 8. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek for you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live, in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, 
for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. So why did David write so passionately about God? And we see this quite often throughout the Psalms that David just pours out his heart to God. And he's just trying to convey through the written word the relationship that he has with God. And I guess you could say the fascination that he has with who God is. And we see that all through the Psalms. And I decided actually to add this Psalm to the beginning of the sermon this morning, because I read a Psalm each morning before I begin my Bible study. And this was the Psalm that I was reading today. And it was just so fitting for this message. But the thing I think we see as we read the Psalms, and especially the Psalms of David, is that he had to have known God in order to write in such a way. So one point before I move into the sermon with that in mind is I did want to mention that I based this sermon loosely on a sermon from the 1700s by John Wesley entitled God's Love to Fallen Man. And something I like to do often is I'll take a, a sermon from, from years past, uh, outline it, add to it, and uh, because I'll be inspired by, by someone else's sermon. Usually it's Spurgeon. In this case, it was John Wesley. But I just took the basics of that sermon and then I added to it. So I've added my own thoughts as I studied Wesley's sermon and the word relating to this topic. So let's look at Acts 15, 18, which says, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. So it's referring to God's omniscience, the fact that he has complete knowledge and understanding of every facet of creation. Because of Adam's willful rebellion, sin, because of Adam's willful rebellion, sin, death, disease, pain, and evil came into the world. Through the fall, mankind rebelled against God, against his image, his holiness, and his righteousness. Through the fall, mankind took on some of the image and character of Satan, pride, hatred, violence, envy, covetousness, etc. Man became evil through the fall. So with that in mind, and I've, and I've preached on the fall before, but with that in mind, so why did God allow the fall to happen and to take place? God is sovereign and obviously could have prevented the fall. But he didn't. Since God is all good and he didn't prevent the fall, it must have been better not to. But how could allowing something so seemingly devastating and in direct opposition to God be better? And you can see where we're getting into these big, massive questions, these deep things of God. Why did he do things the way he did them? And the beginning question is, why did he allow the fall? Let's look at Romans 5, 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. And the point I want to make is we're answering the question. This sermon hopefully will answer the question of why God carried out his plan of salvation in the way that he did. So Romans 5.15 says, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. The evil of the fall was nothing compared to the goodness of salvation that freed us from the sin and death of the fall. Romans 5.20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. 
But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. By the fall of Adam, the elect gained what only could have come about through the fall. Because of Adam's fall, God's love was made manifest among us and to us. I'm going to make that point again. Because of Adam's fall, and you could say the fall of mankind into sin, God's love was made manifest among us and to us. If human nature had not been corrupted through the fall, there would have been no need for the Son of God to take our nature upon him as a propitiation for our sin. Without God's plan of salvation, we may have loved God as our creator and for our being. Now, this is important to just picture this. Without God's plan of salvation, we may have loved God as our creator and for our being, for making us. We may have praised his providing for us and for the magnificence of his creation. But we would not have loved him endearingly as a father who sent his son to die for us and as a savior who gave himself up for us and as a comforter who gives us life and guides us. We could not have loved and known Christ as bearing our sins on the cross, our justification, our reconciliation, our savior without God's plan. We may have loved who he is as the image of God, but our love is magnified explosively because of Jesus becoming one of us and for his obedience in saving us. We would never have been blessed to behold Christ crucified and the power of his resurrection without God's eternal plan. Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Without the fall, We would not be blessed to love and experience the Holy Spirit as he reveals the Father and the Son to us. We would not be blessed to have our eyes opened to understand the mystery of the gospel and to see into the mind of God. We would not be blessed with the experience of being delivered from the darkness of sin to the light of life in Jesus Christ. We would not be blessed with the experience of the image of God being renewed in our souls and of the Holy Spirit sealing us unto the day of redemption. Isaiah 42.1 says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. It's, it's Isaiah prophesying. And in this simple one-verse scripture, he refers to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but those things we would not know as we do if it had not been for God's plan of redemption and salvation through Jesus Christ that had to come about. Why? Because of the fall. 1 John 4, 19 through 21 says, We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment that that and this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. If Adam had not fallen, initiating God's plan, how would we ever have witnessed who God is, and how would we ever come to know that he first loved us? 
John 15, 13 says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. We know this greater love because Christ laid down his life for us. And he laid down his life for us. Why? Because of the fall. Because he had to redeem us. We could not know what it is to love our neighbor if we had not been blessed to witness God's love for us through his plan of salvation. Galatians 5.14 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We would not have been blessed to comprehend the command of Christ in John 15.12, which says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Sacrificial love is meaningless without the gospel. Christ loved us sacrificially. So think of that. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. We would never be able to understand the depth of Christ's sacrificial love, of God's sacrificial love, if it had not been for the gospel. And the gospel would not have been if it hadn't been for the fall and God's plan working out the way he has worked it out. By the fall of Adam, pain and suffering entered the world as justly it should as the fruit of sin. By God's grace, he brings good out of evil and holiness and happiness out of pain. If there were no pain or suffering or danger in the world, how would we know what it is to trust in God and to see his protection and care made manifest in our lives? 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. How would this amazing truth ever be grasped by our hearts and minds without pain and suffering in the world? Consider this. Could the reason for so much apathy and spiritual complacency in much of the Western world be because suffering has been replaced to a large decree, decree, degree sorry, with numbness? People used to endure the suffering of depression. It used to be called melancholy, seasons of darkness. If you're familiar with Charles Spurgeon, he suffered through certain periods of his life where he fell into deep depressions that he had to struggle through. Ailments, tragedy, loss, etc. Times of suffering matured and strengthened people down through the ages. But today, even a hint of pain is quickly numbed through medication. Suffering is avoided at all costs, and as a result, nothing is learned or wisdom gained. Now, one point I want to make here is I'm not saying that if you're depressed, you should just give in to your depression and just do nothing to try to overcome it. The point I'm trying to make is, is that we have become such a hypersensitive society that if anybody experiences just a little bit of depression, a little bit of pain, a little bit of being uncomfortable, it's usually just medicated immediately. I heard a woman one time say that she had she had gone to the doctor. It was just a normal checkup. Her husband had died about a month before, and the doctor said he was concerned about her because she seemed down and depressed because of her husband's death, and she thought he thought that maybe he could prescribe something for her to lift her spirits. And she was a Christian, and she told him, she said, why would I do that? This is what I'm supposed to be going through. I'm supposed to be grieving and going through a valley of darkness because, of, because I have lost my husband. He has died. She did not want to be medicated. 
So I understand there are people that suffer with depression to extreme degrees, and that must be depressed. But the point I'm trying to make is I think our society is becoming numb in so many ways rather than maybe going through times of darkness and pain and suffering and depression that maybe we need to go through at least to some extent to see what the Lord is going to lead us through through that. You see? I have a friend who recently went through a, a very severe depression, and she decided to get professional help for it. The reason why is because she had horrific experiences of depression in her family, and it was very severe for her. But I will tell you, in speaking to her, she learned through her experience. She grew and gained wisdom through it. So I'm not saying that we should seek suffering. But what I am saying is I think we need to step back a little bit and consider but what, what maybe the Lord is using through suffering to shape us and to bless us with understanding and wisdom of him. I think what it all comes down to is our understanding that peaks are much more glorious when they are reached through valleys of darkness. When we are on the mountain peak and we are glorifying at being at that height, it means much more when we've come to that height through a valley of darkness that we've had to work through. You see? Consider this question. How would Joseph's statement in Genesis 50 verse 20 mean anything without evil in the world? He said, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph understood why he had to suffer and endure faithfully. His trials added much to the luster of his blessings. Joseph's story is so inspiring because we look at the things that he's gone through. We look at the things that he suffered through. And really none of it was his fault. He was betrayed by his brothers. He was betrayed by those close to him. He had to suffer at the hands of evil people, but he endured it faithfully. And at the end of it, he was able to, he had, his blessings had a greater shine and luster to them because of the valleys that he had to go through. Without the evil of sin in the world, how would we be blessed by the Beatitudes? Read Matthew chapter 5. How would we be blessed and glorify God by overcoming evil with good and loving our enemies? The Beatitudes are a glimpse into the mind and ways of God. And I'm just going to read through them really quick. It's just a section in Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 through 11. It says, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
Those things are all contrary to the natural way of the world, the natural way of evil in the world. But none of this would even mean anything if it wasn't for the evil that gives it contrast. It's how we get a glimpse into the mind and the ways of God. Without the fall and its inherent evil, all the graces of God, which lift his children far beyond their natural capacity and love, would have had no use or purpose. God's graces would not have shined the light of God's glory in and through us. We are blessed with and glory in grace upon grace because of the fall. As we live out God's graces in opposition to the evil of this world, our joy is increased in a way it could not have been otherwise. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Consider that. It says, worketh for us. The affliction of this life adds to our exceeding and eternal weight of glory in the next life. Ezekiel 18.4 says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The first covenant showed no mercy, and whoever violated any command of God would have no possibility of redemption or life. If it had not fallen, if all had not fallen and died in Adam, every descendant of Adam would have had to personally answer to God for their sin. Because of the fall, we are given mercy by God. The fall of Adam produced the death of Christ. Romans 5.17 says, For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. A quote from John Wesley. He made man in his own image, a spirit endued with understanding and liberty. Man abusing that liberty produced evil, brought sin and pain into the world that God permitted in, that God permitted in order to to a fuller manifestation of his wisdom, justice, and mercy. By bestowing on all who would receive it an infinitely greater happiness than they could possibly have attained if Adam had not fallen. Without the fall, there will be no such thing as faith in God. Faith in God loving the world and giving his only son for our salvation. Faith in the Son of God loving us and giving himself for us. Faith in the Spirit of God, renewing the Spirit of God in our hearts, raising us, raising us from death and sin to righteousness and glory in Jesus Christ eternally. Faith in the promises and hope we have in Jesus Christ. Without the fall, we would never have experienced and be able to understand John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 1 Peter 1.20 says, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in the last times for the sake of you. For the sake of us, rebellious sinners, born again as new creatures, blessed to be covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, so that we would see and know the Trinity of God. Only by his plan could we truly know him. Through God's plan of salvation, the Trinity of God is made manifest to us and is glorified. Without the fall, how would the Trinity be known? How would we know God? The Father would be known, but not as we now know him. The Son would not have been made manifest among us. The Word would not have been made flesh. We would not know Jesus as our Savior. 
the Holy Spirit would not be needed as a comforter and a guide into all righteousness. How could we know and understand the character and attributes of God without their being exhibited and manifested to us through God's amazing plan of salvation through Jesus Christ? Consider Philippians 4.8 that I mentioned last week and the things that Paul listed for us to think about. We think about those things in the context of God's plan of salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The plan had to happen because of who God is is. It has all taken place according to God's mysterious and amazing plan so that we may know God. And I'll close with Romans 11, 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity again of your word today. Lord, I ask that you would bless this message, that it would comfort and strengthen and bless each person that hears it and that you would do a mighty work in it and through it. Lord, please guide us through the coming week. Uh, Help us to stay on the narrow path, and please provide opportunities for us to preach the gospel to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for being here today. If you get a chance, please visit elephantwalk.net. It's our sponsor company website. Just type the way, all lowercase, at checkout for 10% off. You can find us on the web at the way, the letter R122.org. You can subscribe to the podcast at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Just search for The Way Radio in the search field. We're on Rumble at The Way, R122. And please consider donating. We need more, uh, all the help we can get. We're really striving to get our next trip planned early next year to Kenya. We're still involved in a lot of work there, but I'm anxious to get back there and be with my brothers there in Christ. And you can donate at The Way, R122.org. All right. Thank you so much, you guys. God bless you. We'll be back here next week, same time, same place.